Welcome to Sunday Starter. I'm Andy Mangum. This uh, podcast takes a non-chatty look at a Sunday coming up on the lectionary, and we look at one text for that Sunday. The, today we are looking at uh, the second Sunday after Pentecost, and we're looking at uh, Psalm 42 and 43. We're in the middle of a series on the Psalms, a five-week series, taking one of the Psalms from the lectionary and focusing on it with a theme of from wonder to honesty, and we're at the theme of longing. Psalm 42 has a lot of imagery about longing, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, O Lord. And this really is a fully formed sermon. I'm preaching this text tomorrow, uh, and so uh, this is what I'll be saying. Uh, The people who Moses led out of Egypt moved into the promised land somewhere around 1,400 years before Christ. They were led by emergent leaders we call judges until around 1,100 years before Christ. At that time, the 12 tribes of Israel were united as one nation under the reign of Saul, then David, and then Solomon. During Solomon's reign, the first temple in Jerusalem was dedicated. Then, about 30 years after the dedication of the first temple, the one nation of Israel divided into two. The northern kingdom kept the name Israel, while the southern kingdom became Judah. Jerusalem and the temple were located in the southern kingdom of Judah. We call this period the divided kingdom, and during this time, both Israel and Judah lived with vacillating power struggles between Egypt and Mesopotamia and Assyria and ultimately Babylon. The major powers, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, uh, made vassal states out of Israel, Judah, and a handful of other smaller nations in the region. The Babylonian experience is one that receives the most attention. We call it the Babylonian captivity, but it really was a displacement. Babylonians rounded up the ablest and wealthiest members of Judea and scattered them throughout the Mediterranean world. They replaced them with people who came from other parts of the world. They hoped to erase the cultural identity and force them to assimilate. The people of Judah resisted. They continue to sing their native songs and recite their sacred text. In 539, Babylon was defeated by Persia, and King Cyrus of Persia decreed that the people could return to their homeland. We need to pay more attention to this period of of the exile and the conditions of being a vassal state. The Old Testament took its shape during this time, so understanding the whole of Old Testament history requires understanding this time. This experience was essentially the experience of Judah at the time of Jesus. However, the superpower at that point was not Babylon or Persia, but Rome. Psalm 42 and 43 seems to have been written at a time when the exile just took place. The psalmist remembering being permitted to lead the the procession into the temple, but that time had, had had passed. Uh, the people of Psalm 42:43 was was written uh, in the aftermath of a significant trauma that shook the psalmist's sense of strength. Psalm 42 and 43 begins the second book of Psalms. The second book of Psalms is known as the Elohistic Collection, the the Tetragrammaton, the YHWH, Yahweh, uh, is replaced by the more common name Elohim for God. Psalm 43 is is also the first of the Korah collection. Notice the subscription under 42 that says, a masculine of Korahites. The Korahites were temple singers playing an important role in the second temple. That is, after uh, the the different uh, groups of people uh, destroyed the temple, it was rebuilt. 
uh, um, and, and we have the second temple rebuilding took place under Ezra and Nehemiah. We get reference to the Korahites in First and Second Chronicles, which was written during or right after the, the completion of that second temple with Ezra and Nehemiah. First Chronicles 9.19 tells us that the sons of the Korahites were keepers of the temple service as well as entrusted with keeping the threshold of God's tent or house as their father had been the keeper of the entrance to the camp. Several verses will be familiar to people as the deer is a familiar and popular Christian contemporary chorus. As well, the statement, send forth your light and send forth your truth, makes its way into contemporary Christian music today. Often it uh, is a call that is detached from the rest of the psalm, and this image of the deep calling to the deep is also found in a number of our hymns and songs. However, we ought to read the psalms entirely and see these memorable and perhaps pleasant images are lodged in a psalm that also sinks into the depths of despair. There's a repeated refrain in Psalm 42 and 43, Uh, some other similarities in tone and content that make scholars believe that it was likely incorrectly separated. The refrain says, Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why disquieted within me hope in God? For I shall again praise him, my help and my God. There are several aquatic images in this text. The flowing streams of verse 1, the tears in verse 3, the pouring out of the soul in verse 4, and the waves in the deep of verse 7. The psalm seems to flow back and forth between lament and onyx expression of pain and a sense of hope and renewal that the Lord will act to restore. Some translations use the word tent for the house of the Lord, a reference to the tent of meeting that preceded the temple as a place of worship for God's people. The psalmist is remembering a joyful festival procession. It evokes the psalms of ascent that we believe travelers would use as they made their way to Jerusalem for one of the three annual feasts to be celebrated there. Many of us have found ourselves in similar positions of remembering. We remember what it was like. I went to camp two weeks ago, and I was there with people who had done camp so many times pre-COVID that we should be able to do camp in our sleep, Uh, people that I have done camp with for literally decades. But we found ourselves feeling our way around as if we were Rickies. Many of us experienced the same sort of relearning curve as we re-entered corporate worship a year or so ago. My older brother teaches biology at uh, a college where he lives, and he he said that uh, after two years of trying to teach online, he is grateful to be back in the classroom, but he said it's like having to relearn how to be there all over again. He said that it's only been two years, and and he, he wondered aloud, how has he forgotten how to do this? I said to him, I'm not sure it's the time. I think it may be the trauma. This past semester, he said that he gave us his in-class final. He gave his normal instructions. I don't want any talking during this final. So sometimes people sneeze and you'll want to say, bless you. So instead, look at your neighbor now and say, bless you, now. He said with, with five sections of semesters teaching and over 20 years in the classroom, he's given that instruction hundreds of times. It, it usually gets a chuckle and relieves attention. And as students, uh, students look at each other and say, bless you and bless you, it's like saying good luck on your test. He's not, not this semester, he said. And maybe it was the idea that a cough or a sneeze has to have uh, taken on greater significance because of COVID. 
maybe the two years away has eliminated the courtesy laugh that professors normally get or the capacity to follow verbal instructions, or maybe, he said, we have reached a place where all of us need some empathy from each other and we can't quite negotiate whose turn it is to empathize first. Marissa Aietti, writing for the Washington Post at the end of last year, said, nearly two years into a pandemic coexistence with several national crises, many Americans are profoundly tense. They are snapping at each other more frequently, suffering from physical symptoms of stress and seeking methods of self-care. In the most extreme cases, they're acting out their anger in public, bringing their internal struggles to bear on interactions with strangers. It is more than COVID. We have experienced two years of racial unrest, examples of brutality and loss of confidence in our basic organizations, widespread sexual abuse cover-ups in the nation's largest Protestant denomination. Every preacher I know struggles with how to refer to January 6, 2021. We are politically polarized, so politically polarized, that we can't even talk about what was a terrifying moment in our history with each other for fear of offending one another's political positions. In response to this collective trauma, we have worked hard either to pretend like the last two years didn't happen or working to reestablish old patterns. The psalmist offers another way forward. In Psalm 43, the psalmist says, O send forth your light and send forth your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling place. It is striking to me that the psalmist moves from being the leader of the people to the worship experience of the Lord to being the one asking to be led. The verses around and in between these two vignettes of leading and being led speak of disorientation and despair. Rich Mullins' final musical work was a demo of an album he called The Jesus Record. Sadly, Rich Mullins died before the project was recorded in the studio, but in his song, Hard to Get, Rich sang uh, in this final verse, You who live in eternity, hear the prayers of those of us who live in time. We can't see what's ahead, and we can't get free from what we've left behind. I'm reeling from these voices that keep screaming in my ears, all these words of shame and doubt, blame and regret. I can't see how you're leading me unless you've led me here to where I'm lost enough that I'll let myself be led. In my research about this text, I came across a reference to a book by Paul Tournier. Tournier was a Swiss psychologist, psychotherapist, physician, and author of several books, one of them entitled A Place for You. I have only found summaries of the book. Uh, I haven't been able to put my hands on the book itself. But Tournier taught that uh, there are two moves in the Christian faith. The move to receive the good news and internalize the message of God's love and grace. And the second move, to renounce one's self. Jesus' statement to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, rings to the second move. But Tournier wrote that there's incredible damage done to people's souls when they are pushed to renunciation too soon. Here's some quotations from the book I was able to locate online. He said, we all have all seen so many of those men and women who have never grown up because they have been repressed by religious upbringing and have been trained since infancy in systematic renunciation. 
To how many generations of miserable, exploited people has the church preached resignation, acceptance of one's lot, surrender, and submission? How many mediocre personalities are there in our churches, people who have not the courage to live full lives, to assert themselves and to make the most of themselves, who look upon the stifling of themselves as Christian virtue, whereas faith ought to create powerful personalities? People who have vivid memories of being self-sufficient, empowered, and capable have the hardest time when it comes to admitting acceptance, limitation, and dependence. For me, the Psalm 42, while Tournier's book suggests a move uh, from a place of self-sufficiency or, to, uh, or developing that self-sufficiency to then being able to give out, the psalm is almost asking the question, what happens when you've made that move and stepped into positions of leadership and then reached the end and limit of your uh, capacity? Where do you find yourself? And where the psalmist says they go is to that place where they ask the Lord to lead them again. Sometimes the place where we most need to be is the last place we are willing to go. And I think that's where we find ourselves in this moment. How do we arrive together at the altar of God with empty hands and no badges of honor and say to the Lord, Lord, we've been here before, but we've come with our titles and our capacities and our strength intact. We've come prepared to serve you, to lay it all down, deny ourselves. But now, once again, we need to crawl into your loving arms to feel your guidance once again, and to trust that you are a God who desires our best and who will do the work that is necessary to lead us back into a space of communion with you. Well, that's Psalm 42 and 43. I hope uh, this has been helpful to you, and I hope that you also are uh, navigating these waters post-pandemic with uh, a dependence on God and acknowledgement uh, that we need the Lord in these moments. And remember to redeem the commute for the drives are evil.